Welcome, Fivers, to another episode of High Five the Podcast, a movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. On this week's episode, your hosts, Courtney, Mia, and Jay, dive into some of their favorite movies and hopefully talk about some of your favorites, too. If they don't, feel free to yell at your speakers, or you could just tweet at them with your choices, like an adult. Now let's join the gang as they dive in. Fair warning, this podcast may contain spoilers for movies that came out 20 years ago, but really, at this point, that's your fault. And now, on with the show. You know what? Just like the beginning of a Wes Anderson movie, something is lost that our hearts desire, and it sends us into a mystery spiraling and spiraling and spiraling until a narrative and a story and a lot of pastels are thrown asunder. Um, It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be heart-wrenching. And I couldn't think of two people that I want to share redoing a Wes Anderson top five episode with than you two lovely ladies. Um, And this time we finally got my banner in there because last time I was like, see... I knew you, you, there was a reason that fate had these episodes deleted to the internet yeah, either. Just put on my. All right. Well, Courtney. Yeah. Is put, Courtney is putting on her beanie. Um, Mia, you're just you're stunning as always. I just saw my boobs today, guys. Just, I just okay. My they're today. they're just there. They're going to be a part of this episode, everybody. And I yeah. am going to put a sweater <laughs> over myself so I am as prestigious and as poppery as fuck. And I think. We should high five and talk about some Wes Anderson. You guys yeah. want to high five? Yeah. High five. I'm so excited. Should we high five? High five. High five. High five. High five. High five, son. Woo! High five. Don't let me hang it. Oh! <laughs> I was the one in the wrong. I was the one in the wrong. That's so funny. It doesn't it feel good to be the one in the wrong. That's yeah, normally it, it my role. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I am, I am in control of how the wrongness of this. Um, I, (laughs) man, it's good to be back at another episode of High Five Colon the podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jay. Uh, I am joined as always by my wonderful cohorts, Courtney and Mia. How are you both today? Hello, Um, hello. Having a lovely day. Our our benevolent overlords at Project Hyphen Nerd have seen fit to allow us to continue this show. And I am so happy because I I have had so much fun these past couple of weeks talking movies with you ladies and talking. Uh, we've talked comedy specials. We've talked all sorts of things. And honestly, we uh, this is the second time we get to talk about Wes Anderson. And, and I'm digging it. This is a lot mm-hmm. of fun because um Wes Anderson I know Courtney is a favorite of yours yes uh so if you would if you wouldn't mind I'm gonna actually put you on the spot here regale us a little bit about why Wes Anderson is so important to you and why it was a requirement that Mm. when you said I'm joining your show and we're like well we don't know about that you're just like no I'm joining your show (laughs) and we will talk about Wes Anderson and we were like you know what fine but tell us no I think why why Wes I think it's just like I love his his originality with everything where everything is so uniquely his that one mm. shot, one moment, you know it's a Wes Anderson yeah. movie. 
Mm -hmm. And it's, and that's incredible to be that, like, to be that confident in who you are as an artist and to know what you want to do and make it work is really amazing. Also, his movies, I know people like to say that his movies are like one note or just too stylish, but no character development. That is not true. Most of his movies, they're, I mean... If you have a bad relationship with your dad, then you're probably going to like one of his movies. I love uh-huh. <laughs> But like, but that's kind of the thing. Like, and it's just like taking the juxtaposition of just like the beautiful backdrop of like the pastels and the like bright colors mm. and then putting it with something really dark. Like he does, he talks about a lot of dark shit and like, but it's, yeah. and it's a lot of like cognitive dissonance while watching his movies. And I'm like, oh, this should be like a fairy tale. Like it's fun and happy. Like, oh no, this is, really fucked up and i love that yeah love love that you know what he's very transcendental yes i like that yeah, yeah, I agree with you, but it also like that, and and in that sense, Mia, because one of the things that he does that I love is he uses miniatures a lot, and yeah. I love like the like the little miniature houses and the little miniature people and the little miniature trees, but it gives you this sense of transcending above being a watcher of the story, like it's a thing yeah. that's happening, it's tactile, it's over there. Um, I mean, Courtney, I you know, I don't think it's any surprise to anybody on the listening to this podcast that I'm a movie snob. And of course, you know, like Wes Anderson, like, oh, I totally love his like mise en scene and the dimensions that he uses. Right. But there there are so few directors that that really like just looking at a scene or a still or watching a sequence, you know exactly who they are and you know what who is being behind the camera. David Lynch is actually one of those that in a weird way, I think is similar to Wes Anderson because he loves to have the sheen of normality followed with a direct juxtaposition of the craziness or the dark side of things like that. The beginning of Blue Velvet is like mm-hmm. you zooming in on like a nice picturesque town and then you just keep zooming in until you're in the dirt and you're just like in this engulfed in this cacophony of worm sounds and terrible sounds. And Wes Anderson does that in a much more beautiful and elegant way, I think. Yes. But it is I'm that sure. idea of I'm going to put like this Easter sheen on everything but we're talking about some really fragile, broken people here. Yeah. Mm. It's the fragility. So I have two things, two things. First thing is a little miniature story about the word cacophony. Um, yeah. I was playing D&D, Dungeons and Dragons, for those who don't know. Let me articulate that again because I failed Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> it was just... Um, and my DM, Dungeon Master at the time uh he was describing something and i was like yeah it was it's just totally a cacophony of blah, 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 blah. and he was like he said cacophony and i was like yeah cacophony and he's like cacophony is cacophony <laughs> it's cacophony and i was like oh and he's one of the smartest people that i know so i was like oh no he's right you know and what I the was, vampires sleep in, oh cacophonies. God, I was so embarrassed. And I'm still embarrassed, but I'll tell that story because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> but oh it. my gosh. So that's a thing. And then the second thing is you said the Easter palette, basically. The Easter and then you sheen, said, yeah. yeah. And then you said something about the fragility of the characters. I think that Easter sheen 
adds to the fragility of the mm-hmm. characters. And I think, I think the fact that he films everything so delicately, yeah. is that the word I want to mm-hmm. use? Like it feels yeah. delicate, purposefully yeah. delicate. Oh, yeah. like it, it, it helps you embrace the just total fucked upness of most yeah. of the characters in in his movies and i'm just like yeah i totally get behind this character who's a total mess total yeah. mess like yeah. there are there are elements you know you can look at scorsese films or tim burton is probably a good example because he has a very visual style mm. and like every tim burton is like oh well it has an element of goth and it has an element of this or it has an element of this you know Wes Anderson is one of those, like, it has an element of fragility, it has an element of tension and familial, you know, distrust or dislike, but, yeah. you know, it's also got, like, <clears throat> that that um, whimsy, like, I couldn't yeah. think of that word earlier, is there's always yeah. this yeah. weird element of sort of misplaced but perfectly used whimsy. Yes, that I, I it is a It's a weird talent that he's been able to kind of craft into his and i hope he never loses it because mm-hmm. none of his movies feel exactly the same but they all feel exactly like his which is yeah which is a weird weird uh gymnastic move to mm. do for a director i think i um, agree what were you think- guys' first like wes anderson movies like what's the first one that you ever saw Ooh, that's a good question um life aquatic was the first one that i saw yeah For me, it was uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Ooh, that's a good. That's a good first one. I'll be honest. (laughs) I got spoiled. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah, you did. My first one was either it was either Rushmore or Royal Tenenbaums, and they were both right around the same time. Yeah, Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think it was Rushmore though, because I'm pretty sure that I was pretty sure the first one was Rushmore. Which I, yeah. I guess is pretty standard. But then to follow it up with with Royal Tenenbaums, like, oh man. Oh yeah, that that was <laughs> this one that solidified for me. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna like this guy. I'm a oh I'm a, yeah, I really, dude. I really um, am gonna dig like what this guy has to offer. I and the yeah. thing about it, um, and me, I think when we talked before, have you seen all of the different stop motion ones that he's done? Both of them, I should say. <laughs> no. So here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. You have to pay to watch his stuff because um, it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. And I I don't have funds. <laughs> so you. here I, I am you. on YouTube trying to get as much as I can about all these movies, watching different clips, as many clips as I can to try to piece these movies together. And just, yeah, I had a grand old time today. We um well I know that uh, I know that we've talked about stop motion before and mm-hmm. there was there's just something about and we'll I'll you know not to royal spoil anything but we'll definitely mention it on my list a little Freudian bit. Freddie and Slip, I see you. But but like I don't know <laughs> he fits so well with stop motion like I don't there's something yeah. about his use of stop motion it just fits so perfectly. There are other directors yeah. that I don't think necessarily could do it. Like Tim Burton, obviously, Henry Selleck, and, and, right, and right. Wes Anderson all sort of fit. But I feel like if Michael Bay tried to make a stop motion cool. movie or it's like. He would just crush it. He would just destroy the whole 
<laughs> I feel like I feel like Michael Bay does not have the patience for a stop motion no. movie. He's like two months into the process. He's like, how much have we filmed? Like an hour? And they're like, we have 42 seconds of this movie. Right. And like, he's like, you know what? Make- what if we were to blow up the clay? Just the whole thing. How do I make clay have cleavage? I don't know how to do that. Oh my god. <laughs> I love you. Can you make this clay have bigger cleavage? Yeah. I'm Michael yeah. Bay. I need more. Can I lust? Can I? I am not lusting enough after this clay model, and that yeah. is unacceptable. I am Michael Bay, so no, I, I either need you to this make later. this model. I either need to jerk off to this, or I need to blow this up. So you either yeah. give me some boobs or some bombs for this clay model. Look, Bay yeah. for boobs and bombs, okay? <laughs> triple B. Yup. <laughs> oh man, a triple breath. Breath. <laughs> Um, oh my goodness! <laughs> no, I'm, and I, I think too that like I, I feel like Wes Anderson. I mean, granted, I have not. He only has done one other live action movie after he did Fantastic mm. Mr. Fox, which was mm. his first foray foray into uh, into stop motion. But I really just noticed the difference in how he shot things after he did mm. stop motion the first time, and like mm. just how I think he finally kind of solidified like, oh, this is what i'm good at and like because yeah grand budapest hotel feels like you're watching like it doesn't it feels mm-hmm. like you are watching a movie and not anything realistic and it's a good yeah. thing you know where i feel like he carries kind of over some of that of, model work yes i agree where i think yeah to do that in like life aquatic and whatnot and like where obviously that's a great movie but like i think he wasn't quite sure what with his style like he was confident in his style but like no having the resources to know how to make it happen in his brain mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like it didn't happen until after he started doing more stop motion, I think. Yeah. But I I definitely agree. I think, you know, we'll get into it on some of my lists because I don't want to dive in on too yeah. much of it. But Same. there are elements that I agree. I think after he filmed Fantastic Mr. Fox in particular, he was like, you know what? I can start telling interstitials or little elements of my other movies, almost like Monty Python used to do. Yeah. Uh, but like uh, the Grand Budapest is the one that I think of. And the scene specifically that I think of is the little box car going yeah. up to the hotel. I know. Yes. Yeah, like the little model is like. Yes. But it is a little model. I love it. I want that little model in my house. I, for whatever reason. I don't know why, and I, this is a weird thing. It's been this way since I was a kid, but I love realistic diorama model things. Yeah, I don't know why. I'm always so fascinated with it. Like when I go into a building and the in the lobby of the building is a miniature of the building that I'm standing in. And I'm like, I'm staring oh, at that miniature. Like, they got the doors right. These are the yeah. same doors. It's like, it's so neat. Look at the, how do you expect them? Is this what? Is this a school for ants? And like, I love <laughs> miniatures so wes anderson yeah he speaks to my soul with that um now when this episode goes live since we record it a bit early it's going to go live in a couple weeks the french dispatch may or may not be out and or have reviews or we may or may not know more about it courtney i saw you get uh titterpated uh, right there. <laughs> yeah, are, are you, how excited? How excited are you for the French Dispatch? I am so excited. I'm gonna. I cannot wait. And it's not gonna be in the states until October, which makes me uh, angry. Lame. But it, came out, it came out internationally uh, a few weeks ago. But I mean, this movie has Frances McDormand, Timothy Chalamet, Tilda Swinton, yes. Bill yes. Murray. 
Like, yes. oh God, I like, I am like dying right now. I need to see it. I needed to see it yesterday. It just. I know. <laughs> I, well, the thing is like he, uh, it's, I mean, it's got not all of the common cast, but I mean, yeah. you, know, you mentioned Frances McDormand, who is just a queen. We got to have her episode here coming up soon. I can't yeah, wait to do. talk about her. Same. Elizabeth she's gonna Moss. Adrian Brody's in it. Benicio oh, Del Toro is in it. Yeah. Yeah. Ronan. yeah. Oh, yeah. Edward Norton. Edward Norton. Yeah. Oh. Some of the Reds for sure. See, Edward Norton um, was one. That's one of the things that I do like about Wes Anderson. And not every director can get away with this of having like their stable of actors. But yeah, he does it really well, and I think that like Wes Anderson finds people that work really well with his style, and they're yeah. not always the people that I thought would. Like Bruce Willis, Edward Norton, and Adrian Brody are never people that I would think would work in a Wes, a no. Wes Anderson. Not even stable. Bill Murray. Not I even Bill Murray. Never no. picked in. Uh, no. I, yeah. Yeah, I agree, and it's weird. Well, Bill Murray did that weird like. um he kind of faded away and then he came back in indie movies. Rushmore yeah. was again one of the first ones. I was like, oh, you're doing kind of like dark comedy, dramatic yeah. turn. And yeah. ever since Rushmore, him and Wes Anderson have just been like that. And yeah. they work well together. It's, I think it, so but too. yeah, I never would have guessed it just off, off hand, yeah. off deck. But no, yeah, I'm I, oh, French Dispatch looks so good. I can't wait to see it. I it does look it. more. I, I don't know. I, I want I want to hope that I love it as much as some of his others. Mm. Um, but I'm curious. I wonder where it's going to fall in kind of his. It looks like a lot more frenetic storytelling than he normally does. It almost looks like yeah. the way Grand Budapest jumps around yeah. in time and stories a lot. And it feels like that construction. Which I'm I okay agree. With. Fine, yeah. I, I mean, Grand Budapest is an amazing movie. And I don't want to reveal too much more. But yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? But let's let's not reveal any more. Let's just go straight in to our. Do you think we should list? This is where we make a list. The list. List. Okay. All right. We've we've been dancing around this long enough, guys. We need to know of all the Wes Anderson movies. I think there are like nine or ten now. Yeah. Each five are the ones that speak to us the most. Um, yeah. I, uh, I I don't think I've started in a while, so I'm happy to go first. Please, Courtney, please. I, I, I demand that you go last, Courtney, because Wes I Anderson will. is yeah. your spirit animal. He, <laughs> so we have to life. end with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my number five, I kept pretty simple. My number five was my entry point to Wes Anderson. It's Rushmore. Um, uh. I just... It was one of those where I had never truly seen a movie like that. It wasn't Mumblecore hadn't really come out yet. You know, there are obviously the foreign films that relied a lot more on lo-fi character development and just the inner you know workings of the characters. But Rushmore did just a weird thing with tone and story and putting actors in situations that I was not expecting. And ever since then, I've been very intrigued by Wes Anderson. Um, yeah. 
I, I don't think he necessarily hit his stride in Rushmore, but I think mm. a lot of the DNA of what was to come and what I was going to love about him, like the quirky, plucky, you know, know-it-all rich characters, the, you know, the uh, parental versus the ch- ch- child dynamic, the fragile, broken adult as a main character, like all those, that DNA was there. Yeah. I just, he does it better in the future, but I don't know. Rushmore always holds a place for me special because it was my first one. It was kind of like, Oh, this is what this guy's about. I see. Yeah. I will say Rushmore is also my number five. Okay. I yeah. like it. Um, similar reasons or like, do you have a yeah. different like approach to it? I think similar reasons where it's like, it's a first taste of him as, as an auteur. Cause you have the, Bottle Rocket, which is his first movie, and that feels the most like a normal movie that isn't Wes Anderson-y, you know, but like Rushmore definitely kind of takes that approach of like kind of chapters or like, you know, different like mm-hmm. almost like a play or like a book right. you're reading, you know, and like he really incorporates that. Um, I think he does a great job of kind of establishing like these are the people I'm going to work with for like the rest of my life. Yeah. Jason Sportsman, Bill Murray, you know, like the uh, the Wilson brothers. Um, yeah. And I, and I and it feels like yeah like you said it's like it's kind of like with music where it's like you have bands who almost figure out their sound and it's usually like mm-hmm. one of their better albums and then they figure it out you know and I feel like yeah. he's this isn't quite the movie where he figures everything out but it definitely is on the track of that and so I think yeah. it is great in that <laughs> this sense. Is, uh, this movie Rushmore is like his Pink Floyd album that sounds a little too much like the Beatles. I yes, I would agree with that. I'll agree with that. And then I will say the one, the dinner scene um, with Max and the, the teacher whose name is escaping me, and then um, uh, his family, like, and her her date who is Luke Wilson. Like they're at the dinner yep. table, like after Max's play, and he's like freaking out. He's just like, I just put on a play. I was amazing. Why don't you love me? Like. I get it. I've definitely done things accomplishment based where I'm like, why don't you like me? I killed it out there. Yeah. I've done that. Jason Schwartzman is such a good sleaze in that movie. Like I put on this play for you. Why don't you love me? Yeah. Like as a teenager, I've been there where I'm like, I've accomplished a lot. Why aren't you interested in me? I'm yeah. super interesting. And I've done all, nope. and like, so that was, that hit a little too close to home. And I hate admitting that I've also been like that. <laughs> so yeah, that's my number uh, five. Well, Mia, okay. uh, all right. <laughs> um, Rushmore's nowhere on my stuff. So I'm sorry. Oh, that's totally fine. Um, you don't have to apologize to me. You have to apologize to Wes Anderson. You know, fair. Um, my number five, is life aquatic now i i am quite sure it's on one of your lists some somewhere but the reason why it's my number five is because one i still haven't seen it but the reason why it's even on my list is because it was the first movie that i wanted to see it was the movie that that introduced like it wasn't the first movie i saw of his but it was the first movie that i was like who is this yeah yeah happening this looks so whimsical and yet there's some mystery and i don't think i understand what's happening at all but i like it (laughs) and just (laughs) the whole trailer the the film shots like i've read stuff on it and i know about it i just (laughs) haven't actually watched it and it's it 
that's why it's on my and i and i feel i felt bad last time too i feel bad because <laughs> i don't have like a fully yes i've watched all of these um but that one was on my last list i don't know what number it was but it was definitely still on list this list because i would never have gotten interested or even tried to watch any of his of his movies if i hadn't seen anything about life aquatic yeah. first life aquatic is one it's the first one that i think really people approach and they're like what is this yeah, because Bo yeah. bottle rocket is like a some somewhat of a heist movie Rushmore, yeah. like you understand a jealous kid and adult even the royal tenenbaums to some degree it's like it's a bunch of famous people and they're a weird family yeah, but Life Aquatic, you're like one. I don't understand the title, and two, yeah. what the fuck is happening in this trailer? And that's to me one of its greatest qualities. I think it is For really sure. Wes Anderson going, uh, uh, accepting the fact of, you know what? They don't all have to make sense to everybody. I'm okay yeah. with it. And mm -hmm. once you watch it, it will make sense. And I love that. I, I so I applaud that choice. Thank you. Yes, solid choice. All right, moving on to my number four. We have talked about it. Um, I gush about it a lot, but my number four is Fantastic Mr. Fox. <gasps> That's, That's my number, number four. That's my number four. Yes! yes. Oh, we share it. Okay, well, I'll I'll gush and then I'll turn it over to you. I yeah. the Fantastic <sighs> Mr. Fox is just beautiful. It's it's yeah. Like Leica is probably one of my favorite claymation studios just because i think what they do is sort of magical um and i love you know their Coraline and stuff but the low fineness the hand craftedness of what wes anderson does is really cool but the way that he did it in fantastic mr fox mm -hmm. is just marvelous like the voice acting is is beyond good like it's beyond good Meryl Streep. It's beyond good George Clooney. It's beyond yeah. good um, you know, Jason Schwartzman. It's just everyone's a, a million times on top of their game with the voice yeah. acting. And you said last time, you said that it doesn't sound like them or like they're so no. integrated into their character that you just feel the character. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Now I have that. Now I have that. So, yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, so, wow. And the story completely does not go where you think it's going to go. Like, I mm -hmm. love that the George Clooney character essentially loses and then has to humble himself and come back and be smart about something. Like, I it's love just that. a good, good story. Mm -hmm. And just, damn, if it's not cool to look at. It's just so it's cool so beautiful. to look at. It really is. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah. so why is it your guys' number four? It is just the most badass kids movie ever. It's like if I were a kid, like a little kid when that mm -hmm. came out, I was like, like 16 when it came out. Um, I would have been, I would have ate that shit up. It's so good. Yes. It's so beautiful to watch. And like the uh, Road Doll, like Wes Anderson is the perfect person to add up, mm -hmm. uh, to do an ad adaptation of Road Doll of specifically Fantastic Mr. Fox. I'd love to see him do more in the future. Yeah. But like, it was just, God, it's just so like good and like, yeah, like it, it was definitely more intelligent than most kids' movies. I feel like you know where I'm like, yeah, this is like a, a movie for kids that like is catered to kids. I think, and also adults can yeah. enjoy it later on too. I don't know, mm -hmm. it's just so good. You for know, me, this is a, was, this oh, isn't related. 
Sorry, this isn't related, but you reminded me of this. You know who Wes Anderson should adapt? It's not Roald Dahl, but he should. Who? Is the Phantom Tollbooth. Oh! <gasps> yes, that? that would be amazing. There's an old kid's adventure book. It's kind of like a Roald Dahl fantasy, but it's like yeah. a, sci- a sci-fi adventure book that a kid goes to this toll booth and he he goes into it like a fantastic land. And then there's like dogs that are clocks and all this stuff. But it's a really wacky kid adventure. And I think I, I think a Wes Anderson would would adapt the adapt the mm. shit out of that. I'm gonna have to look it up. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, uh, Mia. I no, no, you're fine. You and I want to know all about your love of this movie. Um, I so I agree with everything you guys said, but the one thing that I can always rely there's two directors I can always rely on with their color usage, and one of them is Guillermo, and then the other one is Wes. I can yeah. always. Always. And this one helped because it wasn't live action. So I feel like more of the color use was important because you didn't have live action actors to do the thing. So the colors were definitely helping with the story. And so that, 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 that was was the last little bit because we all know that I'm a color fanatic. So, yeah. uh, And that one of the reasons why I love Wes is because of his, uh, color usage and even even in the the new movie that's about to come out whose name i already forgot i'm so sorry french, the french, french dispatch yeah um even in the trailer for it there's you can see he like the color use is still there he's like, like yeah he's not- going he's going with the black and white but then like yeah. doing other ver- oh it's gonna be so good and me so i'm so happy. i'm so happy that you now have context for fantastic yeah you can know yeah, why we too. were rushing so much about it. Uh, it's nope. so good. It's so good. <laughs> oh, I yes, I'm very, very, I'm very happy. I, I love that that is all of our shared number fours. Um, yes. And and listen, I'm not take I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from Isle of Dogs. I liked Isle of Dogs a lot. I the, yeah, me too. I thought a lot of the stuff he did with like the subtitles and the story mm-hmm. structure was fun. But Fantastic Mr. Fox is just a masterpiece. It is, for sure. Yeah. yeah so, 100%. All right. Well, I will I will keep this train a rolling. And yeah. that's not a segue into Jarjeeling Unlimited. Um, my number no. three is, <laughs> is uh, my number three is Royal Tenenbaums. Um, I. That's not where I was last time. I I have oh. I have shifted some things around. I love I love the Royal Tenenbaums. Uh-huh. Um, I I think that it is it's a, a magnificent film. I think that it's wonderful, and I love just the the honesty of the look of the family. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, like I said, after Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums was sort of where he hit his stride. Yeah. And oh yeah. It was all of the Wes Anderson-y Wes Andersons of the Wes Anderson that I want. And <laughs> it, like it has a, we could talk about the cast in every single one of his films, but this one oh, yeah. is just I mean, it branches out from some of his normal, you know, you got your Gene Hackmans in there, you've got your mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow's in there, you've got mm-hmm. your ben, uh, ben Stillers in there. Um, but they're all just killing it. They're Danny loving Glover. they're they're, yes, they're loving their world. They're they're playing with Wes Anderson and they're telling this fantastic story. Um, you're right though. Like this one is one that kind of fluctuates because the top three, my favorite three of his, 
it depends on how I wake up in the morning. They just, yeah. they're all really, really fluid. And, but Royal Tenenbaums is just, it's so important. It could be easily be number one. It could easily be number two. Um, but I just, I love the way that it's told. And I just think it's such a strong movie. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I agree. Oh, I guess it's me next. Yes. Um, yes. So for me, my number three is Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, it's my number three because I, look, little kid love stories, they're some of the most endearing stories, right? I I am arguably more invested in kid love stories than I am in adult love stories because there's a purity yeah. to to theirs their interaction there's there's even that one scene where she's trying to explain orphanage stuff to him and he's like i love you but you don't know what you're talking about and yeah. i was like <laughs> she does it she does it but he's not afraid to tell her and she's just like yeah yeah <laughs> like, they're, yeah, I don't like hanging out. they're hanging out in their underwear it's just so sweet it's it that's is. definitely his sweetest movie yeah like it's just I so good yep. and then the boy the boy scout troop is so fun like it looking is. For yeah. him and edward, edward norton was a surprise for me a well, huge surprise i mean was also a surprise that one yep yep sorry well i mean both bruce willis and edward norton are people who notoriously on set are usually kind of hard asses like i'm gonna yeah. do it my oh, way because i'm like bruce willis together. And yeah, like I just, for whatever reason, whenever I heard that they're both working for Wes Anderson, I'm like, he, it feels like he would be a more whimsical set than Bruce Willis would be like not yeah, in love of. with. Yeah, yeah. But he did really good and I was really happy. Uh, I, yeah, that yeah. movie is, is um, doesn't get talked about as much as it should. And I agree a hundred percent that it is. Yeah. Yeah. So good. That was my honorable mention. So, oh was, yeah, good. Fight me, but my honorable mention. Um, I guess it's my turn now for a number three. Yep. My number three is the Life Aquatic. Uh-huh. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. There was the first, my first foray, foray into Wes Anderson and understanding like his mind, and I was just like, I remember mm-hmm. watching it like a younger teenager being like what the fuck is this movie but yet i yeah. like it I like the outfits i really i watched it initially because uh matthew gray goobler from criminal minds was um, in that movie yes he is early <laughs> he is. young young goobler that's a oh, young he um because he was Wes Anderson's intern when he was filming yeah. that movie, and mm-hmm. Wes Anderson oh, needed fun. a couple of interns in the movie. He's like, well, why don't I just use the interns on my film set? And so he was yeah. one of the interns, and um yeah, and so like that and was why. Lo I and behold, it. years later, he'd be in a shitty Dumb and Dumber sequel. Yeah, he was <laughs> in that. Yeah, he was Lloyd, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. So oh, bad. I haven't, I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. don't. It's fine. No, no. You stick with okay, the good don't. dudes. Goobs okay. is yeah. great on Criminal Minds. He's great in his other stuff. If you're gonna watch the Goob Tube, don't do Dumb and Dumber yeah. Do or whatever I, it was called. So Lloyd Dumb Dumb Tube, no good. The the movie he did that I love a lot is How to Get Away or How How to Be a Murderer or something like that. Mm, where it's like okay. a mockumentary, like the kind of a mockumentary yes. of how to become a murderer. 
And yes. Really good. Um, oh, okay. Okay. I, I, I think, man, what's the name? He was in 500 Days of Summer and he's really good in that. He was. Um, what he is was the name of that movie, movie, though? Oh, he was uh, in Life After Beth with Aubrey Plaza, which was really no. good. You know what? That movie was funnier than I expected it to be. I know. I know. I was like, oh, I agree. This, when I saw the trailer for it, I was like, oh, this is going to be blur. But it was good. I'm with you. It was good. But anyway, so that's why I watched Life Aquatic. And then it just became like everything about it was just so magical to me. Like, just like, yeah, the, the costumes, like the, the not stop motion, but I don't know what you would call it. Like with like some of the different elements of the sea that he incorporated. Um, like with just anyway, just the way he filmed that movie was just so beautiful. And then the story between the father and son was just really like it really hit hit me hard i don't know i just i loved it and like i have a, a friend a couple of friends who when he proposed to his fiance they're both my friends he proposed to her with a life aquatic where it's like it was like where you find it when you're around here or out here with me and i think that's so sweet that is anyway so i love that movie i I think that is amazing. I had to look up that had to be a serial killer because yeah. I was convinced. I was like, I know that movie. And it's the one where the guy's like holding the ax on the front of it. Yeah. I yeah. watched that. I rented that on a whim one day back when video stores were a thing because <laughs> that has a really weird narrative device where the dude is like on stage uh -huh. giving a lecture. Like the first thing you need to do to be a serial killer is right. – yeah, find the victim yeah. and then it like yeah. does a scene of whatever i i have a very specific memory of watching that movie and that was so weird yeah. that you mentioned that I had, I had like a whole rush of emotions come back being like oh that yeah. movie oh i know it is like kind of like a pyramid scheme kind of like yeah. like mega church vibe of like this is how you do yeah i i love that yeah. movie oh good 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 stuff i like it okay anyway. is it back to is it back to venus yeah, it is. Well, it is. That will be very easy to do because my number two is Life Aquatic with Steve. Ah! Um, I on another day it could have been my number one. I think that Life Aquatic is the pure distillment of Wes Anderson. Like yeah. if you were if you were to take Wes Anderson's mind and body and put him in like a juicer. And you just like crushed him down to his emotional and creative essence. And then you threw that essence onto a canvas. It would be Life Aquatic with Steve Sizu. Like the yeah, color yeah. palette is exactly Wes Anderson. The cast is his Casey. core cast. The costuming is wacky and weird and but beautiful. Um, the yeah. story has all the trappings of father, son, family, drama and broken mm -hmm. fragile males egos and uh, willem dafoe is fantastic and it. it's just it's so good it, it's like the and it's weird because i'm talking about it like if, if it's my number one but right. it's sort of in my opinion the peak if someone's like what's the wes anderson-iest wes anderson movie be like life aquatic with steve sisu um because i think it is just the it's almost too much, Wes Anderson. Almost. Yeah. It's not quite. But if it was any more, I don't know if people could take it. It's just sort of that perfect balance of it. Um, so, yeah, no, Life Aquatic is, I think, a masterpiece. And 
I love everything yes. about it. I love Bill Murray in it. I think it's one of my favorite Bill Murray performances uh, through his entire canon. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, Life Aquatic, big, big thumbs up. Everyone should watch it. Everyone should see it. It's um, it's so good. so good. Okay, now All right, Mia, it's my turn. Um, <laughs> my number two is the Royal Tenenbaums. So That's good. my number two. There is one particular scene that I thought was extremely beautiful, and it might be a weird choice, but it's Luke, bro the brother, Luke. Owens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Wilson. Luke, Luke Wilson. There we go. Oh, yes. Not, not Luke Owens. Luke Owen oh. Wilson. Yes. Luke Owens Wilson. <laughs> he, it's, it's when he did the, the thing. He did that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, with 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 the things and the face and the arms and stuff. But the yeah. flash after and during and just actually, it's just that part. And I'm just like, mm. it, it, yeah. and I'm not supposed to find a rush out of it. I don't think, but I do. And I think it, it's just so beautifully plated together. The with sequence, the the, yeah, all of it, yeah, yeah, all of it. That whole scene, yeah. and then um. One of my favorite, in fact, it is my favorite classical music song, mm -hmm. um, is played during the scene where he's like, I'm worried about you. And it's between the two, oh, yeah. two the two Wilson brothers are talking to each mm -hmm. other and, and it's called Hymnidope. That is oh. what the piece is called. And it started playing and I was like, <gasps> it's literally my ringtone. Like, I love that wow. song. Wow. Yeah, it's my main ringtone unless there's someone special who has their own. Um, but I just yeah, yeah, that was and and I I the last time I remember you guys saying about uh talking about Ben Stiller and mm -hmm. you know how he fit and whether or not he was just playing his other characters. And I thought for sure he was just going to play another one of his characters. Yeah. But mm -hmm. he didn't. He, and I don't know which one of you had. I think it was you, Courtney. He was like, "No, he he he's his own character. He's special. He belongs in this movie. It fits." And and at first, I didn't. I didn't want it to. I didn't I want it to. One, I was the one yeah. that said, "Like, I don't know if Ben Stiller fits, but I have come around." And I think Courtney and convinced me last time. Yeah, yeah. He works like he's playing what he needs to play. Yeah. And yeah. again, Gene Hackman is. I mean, come on. Gene Hackman Incredible. is just, just Mr. Gene Hackman. All he's Gene Hackmaning all over that movie. Um, yeah, he's a narrator, right? He's the dad. Who's the narrator? Um, I think. Oh, I don't know who the narrator is. I thought for sure it was him. I thought for sure you know, Courtney. <laughs> I know. I no, think my narrator. I mean, he I may be. I know. Anymore. I know he's that daddy. He's the he's dad, that, for sure. He's yeah. that Mr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's that Mr. Tannenbaum. Yeah, he, he is. He the is royal. royal. Yeah, he's he royal. is royal. Yeah, he is. Um, <laughs> oh man, it's just, it's just so good. I mean, and honestly, I am not uh, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's biggest fan. Um, Absolutely, just, the f yeah. not same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Alec Baldwin is the narrator. Um, Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, all, all sorts of surprising stuff. No, um, that was I, that. Wow. All right. But <laughs> I, I like Gwyneth Paltrow in this. 
Yeah. Like, and I you know what? Good in this. Here, like, she, it wasn't the character that was the problem for me at all. I loved her character. I loved the flaws in her character. And I, and after watching it, I understood what you, Courtney, were talking about when it came to um, adoption and the yeah. pressures. And I could see, like, I can only empathize so much, of course, because I did not live that life. But I could at least see why that connection was important to you when you mentioned it last time. The, pro the problem for me was Gwyneth in particular. And I wanted, I don't know what it was. I think I want a little more goth energy from her. Yeah. yeah more sure. goth, less I, goop. Yeah. I, <laughs> we could all use a little <laughs> less goop. <laughs> that was really good. I tried vajazzling on her recommendation, and it was also a disaster. Oh, yeah. my God. I'm Thanks. so sorry. It's a lot goop. Yep. But but that was I didn't really have any problems. But if you forced me to pick a problem, it probably would have just been I wish she would have had more goth girl yeah. energy, more more deadpanness about her. That oh, and yeah. the actress, not the character. Like what the yeah, actress yeah. is bringing to the table. Courtney, I know I feel you've you. got, you've already shared us uh you've already shared with us pictures of you dressed as Margot and it's Yes, cool. it's so good. Thank you. Thank you. you I appreciate that, that. I wanna be on I wanna be on Glamour Geeks doing my Margot uh cosplay. Oh. We will we will talk after this episode. I would love that. I still blonde. I would love to do that. Oh yes. <laughs> Do it. It's okay. Uh, okay. Definitely after. Who's next? Oh, you're next with your number two. Oh, no. oh, go. My number. My number two is the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Good so one. good. I mean, it's so beautiful. Like just like the pinks and the blues, and like mm -hmm. like we mentioned earlier about Fantastic Fantastic Mr. Fox. Like after he did that movie, I feel like it was really kind of solidifying like what he could do with set pieces and miniatures and everything. And it was just really gorgeous. The storyline is really fun. I love, uh, I, I love the relationship between Ray Fiennes and the actor who plays zero, whose name is escaping me. And I'm so sorry. Um, I love their dynamic together. I think that's really fun. I think Ray Fiennes character just as a whole is very fascinating. Just like he's like this. Yeah sexual hotel owner who also is just like just wants the boy with apple and the boy with apple is the most boring fucking painting i've ever seen seriously <laughs> seriously <laughs> and it's worth so much money and it's just like i love um i love the, the utilization of the cast in that movie was so mm -hmm. good like everyone was cast it wasn't just because they were wes anderson's buddies but i think they were all yeah. well cast Either mm -hmm. he wrote the part with them in mind or vice versa. I don't know. Storsha Ronan was so great in that. And I cannot really wait was. to see her more stuff that he's doing. We've um, talked yeah. about her in another episode. We were big, we're big fans of her. And this yeah, really was one of the first movies outside of um like the Winter's Bone. Oh, lovely bones. Or not Winter's lovely Bone, bones. the Lovely Bones. Yeah. yeah that I was Winter's like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> this sure. Sorry. The lovely winter bones. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah. Oh, man. So good. I mean, okay. it's so good. It's my number one. Like, it's oh! my number one. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just keep talking about the yes. Budapest because keep going. Keep going. Uh, I'll just, yeah, I'll pick up the baton. I agree with everything that you said, Courtney. I think, whereas, you know, my number two was 
the Life Aquatic. I think that's the most Wes Anderson-y Wes Anderson movie. I just think Grand Budapest is flat out the best thing that he has done. Like it is just technically masterful. The acting is great. The story, the the script is complicated, but old Mm. in a good way. And, and this is nerdy. And I've said this before about this movie, probably on this podcast, but for the love of God, when he changed time periods and the frame ratio, the screen ratio changed <laughs> to the dimensions standard at the time yeah uh, my ears started bleeding with joy <laughs> i don't know how to describe it it was like i, I couldn't believe it i was like okay so you just jumped from a 1960s story to a 19 is like it's the great train robbery to the casablanca look at the yeah I, I, and then and just to do that on top of all the other wes anderson stuff he was doing I just I couldn't like I I love his normal cast of characters the Defoe's and the Adrian Brody's the Jeff Goldblum as always yeah. is wonderfully yeah. weird and just perfectly there, but to have Ralph Fiennes and F Murray Abraham and Sorsha Ronan like these newer voices that fit in even better than I think some of the other like older yeah. stuff fit. I, I just I can't. I can't speak highly enough of Grand Budapest Hotel. I think that he has a lot to live up to with that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might honestly ruin me for anything that he makes in the near future, just because it's That's so fair. good. Uh, but fair. yeah, I just, I, I can't get over how good Grand Budapest Hotel is. And that was why it was my number one. Just, I think it's the technical height of like, it's just the best thing he's done. It's so good across every column mm-hmm. i i i will take a little bit of that baton um and say that uh, there's not much really that i can add uh except once again the color thing the color thing i could Man, i didn't colors. have to hear a single part of that movie to know exactly what it is that he was trying to tell me in every scene in every scene when they when they fall down the chute and they're sitting in in the packages the box and it's the pink and the blue i'm like they are surrounded by love and trust yeah yeah but it's young i get it i get what you're telling me and i can feel it it's perfect and and just a little truck truck. (laughs) and i also loved um uh mr fine's character i loved Mm-hmm. That it was a man who was bisexual. I loved that he didn't give a flame. Who who it was that needed him? He was going to service everybody. It was yeah. going to happen. I yeah. I loved the liberation that he felt. How he ran the business. I loved. Yeah. I just loved that he was so so. Oh God, well realized. He was yeah. a yeah. very well realized character incredibly flawed but beautifully so and i was very much in love with him yes i'm with you oh yes so good well i'm glad that we have all gushed on it so i think courtney you have your number one that's that's all that's left because we've saved saved the the biggest fangirls number one choice for last and it's probably very obvious but it is my actually my favorite movie ever made, and it is the Royal Tenenbaums. I mean, yes, yeah. 
um, for everything that has been discussed earlier, like I think the casting is on point. Like I think mm-hmm. Ben Stiller actually, like I came into the movie the first time watching it thinking, oh, I don't like him. But then I actually talked to another uh, friend of mine and we were like, we don't like him because he represent, represents a lot of what we feel inside of that anxiety, of that like resentment mm-hmm. towards the parents. Like, oh, like uh, there's a lot about him that is so relatable, I think. And the more, probably one of the more relatable siblings out of that trio uh, for me, Margot Tenenbaum is uh, the embodiment of a lot of things that I felt growing up that I had not seen represented on screen of being adopted mm-hmm. and just that disconnect, that kind of disconnect between you and your family and like yeah. whether or not it's intentional or not, it really hit home for me and seeing how she kind of navigated her life was uh, kind of for better or worse how I kind of navigated my early 20s probably for worse, honestly, if you see how her life went. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she just embodied so much for me. Like she was like that, that really like all, all three of the Tenenbaum kids were like geniuses that kind of floundered later on in life. I mm-hmm. not to shoot my own horn, but I was considered incredibly smart and gifted as a kid. Uh, w- went to college. Early we all on. see where that got us. Yeah, exactly. We see where we're at now. I, I do stand up comedy now. So like, you know, like it's it's kind of that floundering of like she was a writer, all those so like so many things she encompassed encompassed for me as finally seeing it as someone I could relate to. Obviously, mm-hmm. I am not Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't look like her. She has a whole set of privileges that I do not get. But in that character and in that moment for me really was something that I needed at the time mm-hmm. and that I still really kind of a touchstone for me of like when I watch it, it is like drinking a warm cup of tea. Like I watch that movie yeah. once a month, at least, if not more. Yeah. And um, it's um, it's perfect. It is a To me, it is a perfect movie. I know there's issues with it, but you cannot convince me otherwise. It is, it's the best movie. The music is perfect. I love the use of the Rolling Stones. The music is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Everything about it is just um, well, everything I one of the, want. One of the things that we, since we've talked about this, we had our Ben Stiller talk last time. It's yeah. interesting. The more and the more I thought about this, and I thought this was interesting, is his character is someone who was grown up in wealth, grown up in power. It was expected. Yeah. Good things were expected of him. Like that is so much Ben Stiller's just actual life. Like yep. his parents, I was, his I was parents are that. comedy legends. Yep. So it's yeah. like, yeah, if you're going to be in the entertainment industry, like you're a stiller. You step it up. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like, oh, it's just fun. And the other thing is, I did mention this earlier when I was talking about uh, Royal Tenenbaums and I, I felt remiss, but it has like one of the first house tracking shots. Yeah. And that becomes such a staple of his like, well, this is what's going on in all these different parts I of the house during the family. He does it in Moonrise Kingdom. He does he it does. in Royal Tenenbaums. It, but I love the shot in Royal Tenenbaums. It works so well because you get to see all the different family members doing their yeah. things. And yeah. I just, it's such, again, it's a, a thing that Wes Anderson, I think he did that shot in Royal Tenenbaums is like, oh, I like yeah. this. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. yeah I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Oh, man. That's awesome. Okay, Mia, I, I know you've been keeping track, but how, yes. what, what do our numbers look like? How will we rank this? Um. Okay, so one, two, and three is pretty easy. Um. Give me just a second. Give me just a second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, your, that's your counting hair. So four and five are the ones that need to be no four is fantastic for sure so sorry um so i guess that makes uh 
But say Rushmore, we both, Rushmore? Uh, Courtney and I shared. Right, five. right. Okay, okay. Then we then we have it. Give me just a second to finish writing it, and I will read Ooh. it off. Yeah. That was that was fat. I mean, again, this is we love Wes Anderson, and the more movies that he honestly, we could probably do a redux of this in like a year or two when he comes out with two more movies. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'd be Prince, down for Prince, that. This match may be amazing and should be number one. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. Well, Pinnabon will always be number one. That's never gonna. Be I, a know, I know. I <laughs> know. <laughs> okay, are we ready? Yes. yes. Our top five Wes Anderson films are at number five, Rushmore. At number four, The Fantastic Mr. Fox. At number three, Life Aquatic. I know it's a longer title than that, but that's just where we're going to keep it. Uh, <laughs> at number two, The Royal Tenenbaums. And number one, Grand Budapest Hotel. I'm I mean, into it. The thing yeah. is, I don't think many people are going to argue with that Wes Anderson list. Not and you're not going to so. have a bad day if you no. watch it. Um, no. Yeah. I did bring a game for us today. To Yay! play. Okay. okay. So, this one is just going to make me look stupid and make you guys sound smart. So that's why I picked it. Um, I I call the game Wilson Pickett. I want to play a game. Oh, what a wonderful game it is, too. Risk is part of the game. Well, how about a game of Parcheesi? Remember that favorite game of yours? Games worthy of his majesty. You really think you're the only one who can play this game? We will be perfect in every aspect of the game. Let the games begin. So... Uh, Owen Wilson is a staple of Wes Anderson's crew. He's been around since the early Bottle Rocket movie with his two brothers, the famous, the other famous one and the other one. Um, <laughs> so what I have done is I have picked five random Owen Wilson movie quotes. I am going to do my damnedest Owen Wilson impression and read these quotes. And you guys are going to raise your hand when you know the movie. And I'm going to call Ooh, on you to pick okay. the movie. You're going to okay. start pretty easy. And then they're going to get harder. So, oh, wow. Are you guys ready to do this? Wow. All right. All right. Here we go. Here's uh, here's quote number one. A dog doesn't care if you're rich or poor, clever or dumb, smart or dumb. Give him your heart and he'll give you his. Courtney. Marley and me. Of course. I got to start with the easy one. The heart wrenching yeah. Marley and me. All right. Quote number two. Well, wow. You know how they only say we use 10% of our brains? Well, I think we only use 10% of our hearts. Oh, Mia, I saw your hand first. Is that Zoolander 2? No, it's not. Okay. Courtney, do you want to take a guess? I was going to say Dodgeball. <laughs> is he in Dodgeball? <laughs> I don't think he is. Never uh, mind, from, man. That was from Wedding Crashers. Oh, ah. I always ah. wanted to, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Um, here's here's the here's the third one. Oh wow, I hear words like beauty and handsomeness and incredibly chiseled features, and for me, that's like vanity or self-absorption that I try to steer clear of. Me, I saw your hand first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You said chiseledness. Oh. No. <laughs> 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 All right, so we're tied. We've got two more quotes uh, going. Oh, on, so oh okay, here's number, okay. Here's number four. You each have one. Here's number four. People have a deep distrust of machines. Have you seen Terminator? 
or two or three or four? The confused look on you both of your faces gives me the sense that I should. Oh, oh, Courtney, you're gonna take a is guess. It, I'm gonna take a guess. Is it Blades of Glory? It's not. Um, <sighs> it's probably a movie that was seen as many times as Blades of Glory. It mm-hmm. was the internship. <gasps> okay, gotcha. I haven't even seen that. Have the one where him and Vince, the one where him and Vince Vaughn work for Google accidentally or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. God. All right. And here's the last one. And honestly, if either of you get this, I'm going to give you a million points. So uh, I don't know karate, but I know karate and I will use it. Mia. Um, um, is it that around the world movie with Jackie Chan? No. Ah! It's, not. it's close to that, though. Um, Courtney, do you even want to guess? I don't have a guess. I don't know. So outside of what I thought for sure it was that. Outside of what's Mia, I don't really know well. Here, here's uh, Mia. Here's what's funny is you were right on the co-star, but not the movie. It was I Shanghai don't... Noon. Ah! The other movie he did with Jackie because he wasn't in the Round the World movie. He was he in the Shanghai it. Noon movie. Yeah. And now yeah. you're really bad. You were so Shanghai bad. Noon and and Shanghai Nights. They were in both of them together. Uh, they were the Western uh, rush hours, if, if anyone uh, hasn't seen them. I'm so upset. Oh, that was fun. No one got the million points, but you know what? I'll carry over our tie into the next game uh, for our next episode. And we'll break the tie there. Um, yeah. This has been amazingly fun, and and I'm I'm sad to wrap up another episode of High Five Cole in the podcast Thank here you. on the Project Hyphen Nerd Podcast Network. But I know that that you you ladies and I are going to get back together soon and talk more movies. Um, mm-hmm. Until then. Everyone, please subscribe to the show. We've got great other shows that are going to catch. CF3 Lost episodes are getting shared on this feed. We've got so much TV and movie talk coming that you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, follow us, follow along on YouTube because we've got a lot of series on there. Courtney's in series and Mia's in series. We've got shows galore. I promise you, you can find something that you can nerd out with us. Um, and that's all we want to do is we just want to love stuff together and nerd out together. So as always... I have been Jay, and uh, I have been joined by Courtney and Mia, and, uh, and I am cannot wait until next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. We have reached the end of another High Five, the podcast episode. It's time to lock up the writer's room and rest comfortably, knowing we knocked out another great list of things you should be watching. If the guys didn't mention your favorites this week in their lists, you can harass them by emailing them at myfive at highfivethepodcast.com. That's M-Y-F-I-V-E at H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E T-H-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Got that? Or connecting with them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash high five the podcast, on Twitter at high the number five the podcast, Instagram at high five the podcast, or on Letterboxd by searching high five colon the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, 
or wherever else you listen to podcasts and drop the show a five-star rating to show us some love. What's the worst that could happen? Farting your skeleton out of your body? <laughs> Maybe. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happens in the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.